chapter 4, verses 4, I mean, excuse me, verses 19 through 21. That's Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. If we all have it, it reads, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? May the Lord add a blessing, blessing to the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his holy word. Amen. Amen. Hello, pal go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father and our God, which are in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth, with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning with a reasonable portion of our health and our strength and clothing our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together in the worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the prayer that you have answered in the past. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue answering them in the future. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for providing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation, and jobs and financial needs. Most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace, your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory, came to earth, lived, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day according to the Scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the church that he purchased with his blood that we are a member of. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's walking in darkness, we just pray, Heavenly Father, they are seated light. Come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the, our delinquished members. We pray, Heavenly Father, they will come back and repent before it's everlasting too late. We also thank thee, Heavenly Father, for taking us out of darkness and bringing us into your marvelous light. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in all over the world. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's traveling and the one that will be traveling. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to and from their destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that you will continue strengthening us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. And Heavenly Father, when we think safe, I do anything contrary to your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment bar. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's working on the front line. 
We just pray, Heavenly Father, you would be with them and bless them with the thing. Heavenly Father, you know they stand in need of according to your will. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the bereaved families all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will comfort them and strengthen them, Heavenly Father, in the way that only you know how. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that your will will be done here on earth as it is done in heaven. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we don't take our blessing for granted. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, we will continue loving each other more and more. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we will become better Christian today than we were yesterday. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for our government. We just pray, Heavenly Father, things will be done decent in order according to your will. And we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper as he come bring us the bread of life. We pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen to words, we'll listen toward eternity because these will be eternal matters he will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, but doers of your word, where we can go and tell and teach others what they must do to be saved. And Heavenly Father, we pray that this worship service will be done decent and in order. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey, said our last prayer and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down on us and say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Church, I'm going to ask you to place your markers at pages 904 for the Song of Invitation. Pages 904 for the Song of Invitation. And for our next song selection, let us know pages 19 and our Sacred Selection Songbooks. Pages 19, Sacred Selection Songbooks. Not made with hands. All found that are sing together. Christ went a building to prepare, not made with hand, and till be dead with jewels rare, not made with hand. I know, I know, I have another building. I know, I know. It's not made with hand. Put on your armor of your God. Not made with hand. And take the path the captain trod. Not made with hand. I know, I know. I have another building. I know, I know. It's not made with hand, with shield of faith, they fight the foe, 
not made with hand until you hear the trumpet blow not made with hand I know I know I have another building I know I know it's not made with hand didn't come up Children, get your crown, not made with hands. And when you have laid your burdens down, not made with hands. I know, I know I have another building. I know, I know it's not made with hands. I know, I know, I have another building. I know, I know, it's not made with hands. Amen. Let us know pages 895. Pages 895. I live in glory. Once again, pages 895. If all found, let us sing together. I like to stay here longer than man allotted day and watch the fleeting changes of life uneven way. But if my Savior calls me to that sweet home on high, I live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I live in glory. I live in glory by and by. I tell and see the stories there, there on high. There with my dear redeemed, there'll be no more to die. Oh, yes, I live in glory, glory, by and by. I want to be a service along this pilgrim way and lead the lost to Jesus as fervently I pray as day by day I travel and keep him ever nigh and live with him forever in glory by and high. Oh yes, I live in I live in glory by and by. I tell and sing love stories there, there on high. There with my dear redeemed, there'll be no more to die. Oh, yes, I live in glory, glory by and by. Oh, yes, I live in I live in glory by and by. I tell and sing love stories there, there on high. There with my dear reading, there'll be no more to die. Oh, yes, I live in glory, glory by and by. The end I know is nearing by 
my faith I look away to yonder homesuck down the land of endless day. I cling to him forever and look beyond the sky and live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I live in glory, I live in glory by and by. I tell and say love stories there, there on high, there with my dear redeemed, there be no more to who die. Oh, yes, I live in glory, glory by and by. Amen. Let us go to page, page 18 in our sacred selection song. Mansion, robe, and crown. <clears throat> Pages 18. Fall, fall, let us sing together. I'm gonna trade this earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Now Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. When I receive a mansion, mansion, robe and crown, Lord, I want a mansion, robe and a crown. There, look, always abound, so let me your throne surround. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Mansion, rule, robe, and crown. The weather there is always fair. There's sunshine day and night. No cold or rain will fall there. For the sunshine ever bright, I need no heavy garments, I just wrap my robe around. When I receive a mansion, mansion, robe and crown, Lord, I want a mansion, robe and a crown. There, look, always abound. So let me your throne surround. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Mansion, robe and crown. My head is bowed and bloody now from the work that I got to do. Uh, but one day I'll be rewarded. With the crown so bright and new, I love smile so bright, for there be no cause for a frown. When I receive a mansion, mansion, robe and crown, Lord, I want a mansion, robe and a crown. There, look, always abound. So let me your throne surround. 
Lord, please reserve a mansion. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Mansion, rural, and crown. Lord, I want a mansion, robe, and a crown. There, love always abound. So let me your throne surround. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Mansion, robe and crown. Lord, I want a mansion, robe and a crown. Mansion, mansion, robe and crown on a mansion. Yes, a robe and a crowning glory there. Love away upon forever. Let me your throne surround. Lord, please reserve a mansion. Lord, Please reserve a mansion, Lord, please reserve a mansion, mansion, robe, robe, and crown. Amen. Amen. Lord, please reserve a mansion, a robe, and a crown. Uh, this is the song that helps us to take into deep consideration what Jesus says in John 14. In verse number one, when he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, he says, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I shall come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also. And so it is a song that helps us to reflect on the promise that Jesus says that he's going to come again. He just says, let not your heart be troubled. And I know that these days and as days have gone by, there are many things to cause our hearts to be troubled. Amen. But one thing that I find solace in, and I'm sure that you do the same, is that we know that when, world, when the world breaks its promises and all those within the world break their promises. We know somebody who doesn't break his promise. Amen. God keeps his promises. Amen. And so that allows us to have a sense of solace in the midst of all of this chaos uh, that we have to get through and live through uh, in this world. Uh, I think Peter said it best when he said God is not slack concerning his promises. Amen. As some men count slack. Uh, wishing none to perish, but that should all, uh, but that all should come unto uh, repentance. And I'm glad that he said that God is not slack. That just lets us know that no matter how long it takes, know that God is going to fulfill His promise. 
Now, I know sometimes we get impatient and we want the Lord to, to, to deliver right on time. We're in that, uh, that microwave generation where we need instant gratification like we need our dinner. Just pop it in the oven, give it about in the microwave and give it about a minute. And then it's all on the table ready to go. But when it comes to the life of Christianity, we need to know that this is not a hundred meter dash. Uh, this, is, this is a marathon. And we have to continue to run in this race uh, until we get to the end. Uh, the thing about this end is that it's not in our determination when the end should come. It is in God's determination. Uh, God says, for it is appointed unto man once to die, and then after this, the judgment. And so God has determined the time and the end of man. We just need to keep running in the race. Uh, and that gives us to the idea of obedience and commitment, because if you're not committed to being in a marathon, let me tell you something, don't get in it. You're not going to last long. A marathon, you might, you might run a block, and if you, and you know you got 25 more miles to go. If you're not committed, you ain't going to make it. So you have to look at Christianity through that lens, that this is a marathon, and it's going to take time until the Lord decides when it's all over. But we used to sing a song in the long time ago, be ready when he comes. We don't know the hour or the time. Jesus told us we don't know the hour and the time. So every time Nostradamus comes up with a new date, just ignore him. But Jesus says we don't know the hour and the time. And Jesus even made this very clear. He says, I'm his son and he hasn't even told me. But he will let me know when it's time to go back and receive unto myself a glorious chat. Not having spot, wrinkle, or blemish or any such thing. Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 24. And so we know that this is, a, this is a marathon because it is God who has determined the times and ends of man. I think Luke recorded it wonderfully when he recorded in the book of Acts in Acts 17 when they were, they were at the place of uh, some group of people uh, worshiping an idol. And Luke records a story that uh, when he passed by there, he said, I beheld your, your devotion. And he says, I perceive that you are too superstitious, right? You're too superstitious. The things that you are doing are beyond what God has required of thee. You're too superstitious. You have conjured up in your mind some subjective idealism of how you ought to worship God. You're too superstitious. Let me, Luke, uh, uh, Paul says, in, as Luke records, Paul says, let me, let me share with you who God is. God who created the worlds and all the things there is. Is not worshiped with men's hands as if he needed anything. He goes on and says, even one of your poets have said, it is in God that we live, that we move, and that we have our very being. And when Paul said that, I knew, and you should know, that it's God that determines the beginning and the end of all time. And so we look toward that day when he shall return and receive unto himself this glorious church. Romans 16, 16 identifies it very clearly as the church of Christ. As he says, salute one another with the holy kiss, and the churches of Christ salute you. And so we desire and we continue to strive to be worthy by being members of his glorious church. If we can forever uh, continue to 
strive to show our commitment and our obedience to God, uh, then one day when the Lord comes back, as Paul says in Ephesians 4 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye have been called. We've been called into the church. As a matter of fact, the very word ecclesia means the called out ones. And so when people start talking about the church, they use this name, they use it in English sense, and they use all the definitions that English can give to the idea of the word church. But the Bible already has told us that the, church, the word church means the called out ones. Paul tells us in the Thessalonian text that we're called out by the gospel. We listen to God's word. And the gospel is the seed. The gospel is the seed of the sower. As Matthew chapter 13 helps us to understand, and as we have been speaking on for the last several months, the gospel is the seed. And that seed, when it is planted, it is planted into the hearts, into the minds of those who are seeking God. And when those who are seeking God, if you will, uh, 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 have the seed of God's word, the gospel planted into their hearts, amen, if they're truly seeking God, they're going to be obedient. They're going to be obedient to his word. You may recall in Acts chapter 8, 9, and 10, you may recall the story about Nicodemus, not Nicodemus, but Cornelius, amen. I'm already at the end of my sermon, I started talking about Nicodemus, talking about baptism then. But we talk about Cornelius, you're sitting here saying that Cornelius, Cornelius was a just man. And, and I want to say this, and I want to say this very clear, because a lot of people think because you're not a member of the, a member of the church that, you, that, 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 that everybody's wicked. Amen. Some people are not wicked, even though they're not members of the Lord's church. The Bible says that Cornelius was a just man. He gave much alms. He had a great reputation among the people. Amen. But being a just man doesn't make you a saved man. Lord have mercy. Being a just one person doesn't make you a saved person. There are people who are still seeking God. At least we see that there are signs of the character of, uh, of Cornelius that he was seeking the Lord. And when the Lord, if you will, decided through the process of him saying, it has come up to him as a memorial, Remembering that he would also save the Gentiles. Cornelius was then, if you will, given instructions through a vision to go find one named Peter. Dwells with Simon the Tanner, and he will tell the words whereby that you would be saved. The gospel is the seed that is spoken. It is the word of God. Luke says that it is the word of God. And that word is spoken into the hearts of good people, people who are seeking to be saved. Cornelius was seeking to be saved. He wasn't saved, even though he was striving to be good. And that helps us to understand that being good is not good enough to be saved. You got to have the word of God. You got to have the seed. And it is that seed, the word of God, that is planted into the hearts and the minds of people that allow them to grow and to develop and to be shaped and molded by the word of God so that they can one day, if it is God's will, be found worthy to enter into heaven's glory. But until we get to that time of that metaphorical mansion robe and a crown, we got to be committed. And we wear that seal of commitment through showing our obedience and our sacrifice. 
the last time we spoke, we were talking about Galatians chapter 4, and we were speaking about the allegory, that the story about Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, uh, Hagar, Ishmael, there's an allegory to the story. And we were sharing that there's so much detail in an allegory, there's so much detail in a story where in the Old Testament you may not see all the, 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 the greater meaning, if you will, that God has prepared for the things that are in the Old Testament uh, that, are come, uh, that come to fruition and to revelation in the New Testament text. And so when we read about Abraham and we read about uh, 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 Sarah and we read about uh, uh, Isaac and, and we look at Hagar and we look at Ishmael and other characters in the Old Testament, we have to take time to really understand the imagery and, and the, the, that God is showing us through the Old Testament text as we, as I, as I, as we started from the beginning and shared with you, you know, sometimes we, 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 get to the, we, we get caught up in the New Testament text, and we should be, amen. That is the text that we obey today, uh, amen. God has given us that in the Christian dispensation. Uh, but, but sometimes we miss the underlying foundation that got us to the New Testament text because a lot of us think that faith just started in the New Testament. Faith didn't start in the New Testament. That's not where faith started. Faith started in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, it started in the book of Genesis. That's where faith started. Faith started in the book of creation. That's where faith started, amen. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Well, you didn't know about that until you read the New Testament text and saw Hebrews chapter 11. And that is why God, if you will, blessed Abel's offering over Cain's. Lord have mercy. Because it was by faith. You didn't know that Abraham, by faith, left father, mother, brother, sister, family in Ur because they were worshipers of idolatry, and God called him out. And it was by faith that Abraham looked for a city that had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You don't find that in the Old Testament. You see the story, but you don't see the, the overarching benefit of what it is Abraham was doing until you get to the New Testament and you find out that all these things were pushing the people of God and those who would seek God toward faith, toward faith. No wonder it is that Paul writes in the book of Romans and he says in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The seed has always been the source of faith. The gospel has always been the source of faith. Even before Noah entered into the ark in the, Old, in the Old Testament, before Noah entered into the ark, the Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. That's what Noah's occupation was. A preacher of righteousness. Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. In being a preacher of righteousness, being a preacher of faith, the Bible says that Noah found grace, favor in the eyes of God. 
God saved Noah. And he saved the other seven souls, eight in total. In the ark. God saved those eight souls because of faith. Because of faith. You have to remember, this is very powerful. And, I, and, 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 I, and I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting to Galatians chapter 4. We'll be there in a moment. And I'm going to circle back to Genesis. But, but, but we, we, we see here that the idea of faith, the idea of belief is so powerful in the story of Abraham and Sarah. Because God lets us know that, that, that time is not even the, the, the issue that is involved. Because remember, Abraham and Sarah were beyond age, but yet still believed that God was able to fulfill his promises. So being old is not an excuse not to obey the gospel. <laughs> it ain't about how old you are. It's about how you are willing to commit yourself to God's way. By faith, they did these things, and, and, and to the extent where they were able to call things that be not as though they were. And so we, we, we see that it is faith that God is, 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 is ushering in. And in Galatians chapter 4, we'll find this allegory being unfolded. And, and what's really being unfolded is the idea of faith and how we need to, through that faith, be committed unto God. Because that seed, that seed is the word of God. That seed is the word of God. It is the gospel. And so we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The world is not your first priority. The gospel is your first priority. Your obedience to the gospel is your first priority. All the other things in the world, God, got, God has that handle. You see? Jesus even makes it very clear in Matthew 7. He says, what shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world. And lose his soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It ain't about seeking out the things of the world. It's about seeking God. Seeking his righteousness. Seeking that seed that is able to save your soul. And then Paul connects it to the gospel when he writes Romans 1 and 16, right? Paul makes it very clear. You know, Paul, Paul is somebody, Paul is somebody who, who came out of a different faith. Uh-oh. Paul came out of a different faith to come into the true faith. Amen. Because you hear this all the time. You know, I hear it all the time. Brother Kobe, you know, I, I can't leave this because my mama, my grandmama, my grandpapa, big daddy, big mama, big this, big that, you know, have always been part of this belief. And, and, and so I can't leave that stuff. Let me tell you something. If you're going to be saved, you're going to have to leave what God has not authorized. Yeah, I'm just... That, that's just what you're going to have to do if you want to be saved. And God has only authorized one faith. And that is the faith that comes from the seed of God's word, the gospel. And it is not just parts of it that you can take. Paul made it very clear to Timothy, to the elders of Ephesus, who Timothy ministered to. He made it very clear to them in Acts 20 and in Timothy. He says to them both, he tells Timothy, he says, give thyself wholly to them so you can both save yourself and those that hear you. That's what he told Timothy. Give yourself wholly to the scripture, to the word of God. 
But then he told the elders, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. That's what he said to the elders. Not shunned. I have not limited you. I have not uh, lacked in giving you the whole counsel of God. Nevertheless, in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, Paul writes to the church of Rome, and look what he says to them. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To all those who believe, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. To all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed by faith. And it goes from faith to faith. This is, this is, this is Paul writing to the church at Rome and he's connecting the idea of the gospel to faith. And faith to salvation and gospel to salvation. And he's connecting these pieces all together. And let me tell you something. In the midst of all of this, he's saying if you're going to make it to heaven's glory, you've got to be committed to the faith. You've got to be committed to the faith. And that's where Galatians comes in. Because people who had come out of one thing had begun to vacillate. They began to go back into the things of the world. When the word of God is revealed from faith to faith. Remember it is the word of God that was written by faith and through faith. The apostles, the prophets gave us the word of God by faith and through faith. They gave us the word of God, and now we study and read the word of God, and through their faith and by their faith, we now come into the faith. And so Paul, when he writes to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 1 and 16 and 17, when he says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Every generation has a responsibility to perpetuate the seed of faith to the next generation. It's from faith to faith. Because of your faith, because of your commitment to God's word, because of your seal to, uh, of commitment to God's word, because of your obedience to God's word, you can help the next generation be grounded in the truth of God's word and the teaching of God's word. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 4. Look what Galatians says. Galatians, now remember, the churches of Galatia, the various congregations that were there, they were struggling because of the, the mixed belief systems that were among them. And they began to struggle. They, 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 you know, it is, it is not unlike uh, any, any other um, uh, institution when, when time passes. When time passes and, and, and the the, the learning of the previous generation is not communicated to the next or passed to the next generation. 
That generation doesn't have the same recollection or appreciation of what the previous generation went through. And so those things that they went through are forgotten. And things begin to change. Maybe that's why God said to Timothy, do not shun to keep it in their remembrance. (laughs) Keep the word of God in people's remembrance. Amen. Maybe that's why God said to the to the children of Israel in in, in Deuteronomy 8, 9, and 10, when he says to the children of Israel, he says, look, when you you lay down at night, he's talking to the the adult parents who who are grounded in in his word. He said, look, when you lay down at night, I want you to talk to your children. Don't don't read them the story of Goldilocks and Hansel and Gretel and and the three little pigs and and the seven dwarves. And, you know, all those little nursery rhymes and stories are all right, I guess. But if you miss telling them the story about the gospel, you have done them no good. Right? Because I can know how the big bad wolf blew down some houses of straw. Amen. I can can see, if you will, how uh, uh, a wicked witch wanted to take over a monarchy by killing the princess that was supposed to reign and put her to sleep, Snow White. Y'all know what these stories are. But none of those stories can save the soul. And none of them have any hint towards saving the soul. God told them to the, to, to the Israelites, when the, uh, to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, when you lie down at night, tell them about my commandments. Talk about it when you're walking away. Talk about it when you lie down at night. Put it on the frontal of your doorpost. Pass it on to the next generation so that they will know that they know they will know how to, to conduct themselves when it comes to the, their relationship with God. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 1, Paul writes to the churches of Galatia, and this deals with the issue of obedience and commitment, right? Deal with the issue of obedience and commitment. We'll get to we'll get to Eli and his sons, and you know we'll we'll deal with that in Genesis. We'll deal with it, but we're picking up where we left off in, in Galatians chapter. We left off in Galatians chapter four. So I want to give you a little a little uh, lead in from Galatians chapter three. Why Galatians chapter four is so important. And so in Galatians chapter three and verse number one, Paul says to the churches of Galatia, he says, "O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth?" Romans 10, uh, uh, Acts 17 and 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So we're still talking about the seed. Amen. Still talking about the seed. The seed is God's word. He's just now here calling it the truth. I could easily say that you should not obey the seed. Amen. Because we would still be talking about God's word. The truth. But nevertheless, he goes on and says that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Hmm. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet 
in vain. He therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse number six. Here's your linchpin. Here's the verse upon which this sermon swings. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I'm, Paul says, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to all those who believe. To the Jew first, but also to the Greek, but therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It was Abraham's faith and his obedience and commitment to that faith that gave him the wonderful uh, stamp and seal of approval by God by accounting him as righteous. It was because of his faith and his belief in God's word. And it says Abraham believed God. Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith. Without faith. And faith comes by the seed, by the gospel. Without the gospel, you can't get to faith. Without the seed, which is the truth, you can't get to faith. Lord have mercy. It's going to be all right. We're talking about seeds of the sower. These are the seed, this is the seed that was sown. This is the seed that was sown. And the seed that was sown was sown in a good heart. In a fertile heart. And that good heart and that fertile heart was one that was seeking God. Willing to commit its life to the Lord. We quote it all the time when we talk about Romans chapter 12 where he says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. And I say this all the time, and I know some of you start laughing because it seems humorous. Because in the world, the first thing they say is, well, if you're going to be with God, you got to change your heart. And the first thing they go is right here. And, you see, and, and those of us who know the truth, you look at it like, what, what, what's that going to do? Grabbing this heart ain't going to help you. As a matter of fact, and, I, and I, say this, I say this jokingly, but it's a spiritual idea behind this. The one thing that you want this heart to do is not get distracted. And this heart got one job, one, one job. Don't, don't, don't get this heart distracted because it's called, after it gets distracted, it calls arrhythmia that leads to heart attack. So you want this heart to do one thing, beat and beat within the rhythm that is made based on the metabolism of my body. That's all I want you to do. Don't do nothing else. You don't want me to think about the, don't think about the toe. Don't, don't, what about the ear? Don't think about the ear. You, ain't, you don't have no 
distract you. You have no other responsibility. Just be on time. That's all, that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. This is the heart here. This heart is the one that needs to be focused on the various issues of life. And that's why the seed is not planted in this heart. The seed is planted in this heart. Oh, Lord, we're going to get deep here. We're, we're talking about all this anatomy. We're going to get a little deep here. Let me tell you something. When somebody says, I love you with all my heart, and they're grabbing right here, you need to step back. Amen. Because the heart that you need to love me with is up here. Lord have mercy. I love you with all my heart. Oh, okay, we talk. Because, see, this heart up here will determine how you treat me. Woo. This heart up here will determine how you speak to me. Lord, have mercy. This heart up here will determine how you help me. Lord, have mercy. This heart right here ain't doing nothing. Matter of fact, this heart, like, I ain't got nothing to do with that. It's all right. I had nothing to do with that. You got to go upstairs for all that other stuff. This heart, when the seed is planted, the seed is not planted here. The seed is planted here. This is where the fertile ground is. This is where the change needs to come from. And that's why Paul says in Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Someone says, wow, well, if we're going to change this world, everybody needs a heart transplant. Well, you're really talking about a brain transplant, I guess, or something. But the spiritual heart is here. This is where the word of God goes. When one thinks about what the word of God says and one contemplates what the word of God says, one will begin to change not only themselves, but they will begin to manifest that change by how they treat those who are external of themselves. Remember when the lawyers and, and doctors came to Jesus and, 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 and they wanted to trap Jesus. You know, the devil's always trying to find a way to trap Jesus. Amen. Look, th th that's just a foregone conclusion. Jesus knew what he was into when he got here. The devil's going to find a way to try to trick him, try to trap him. But then they came to Jesus and said, Lord, and, and see, they always want to know this. Lord, what is the greatest commandment in the Bible? Right? What is the greatest commandment in the Bible? And sometimes we, when we don't, when, we, when, we, when we're still working on spending a lot of time with the scripture, you'll eventually get to this. But, but you may notice something when, 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 when Jesus gives his response. Every other thing in the world, when it comes to the word of God, comes from that response. When they say, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, thou shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That's what he starts with. Because see, everything else is <laughs> secondary. If, if you can love God, who you have not seen. Lord have mercy. Then surely, some way, sometime.
time along this road of your journey of being a Christian, if you can love the Lord who you have not seen, you ought to be able to love your brother who you see every day. If your heart changes. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love him. And then he says, and then, look, you didn't ask for this, but since you're asking, let me help you out with the second one. Did you notice that? They didn't ask about the second one. They just asked about the first one. But when you ask the master teacher a question, be careful, because he's going to give you what you need, not what you want. He says the second is not un- the second is not unlike the first. Woo! Thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself. Lord have mercy. I know, and you know they got up and walked away then, right? Because they were cheating and killing each other and all of those kinds. Of, but, but look how God says the heart. Where love is planted, right? Where love is planted. Love is planted here. Not here. Love is planted here. And if I can love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might, then let me tell you something. Then I can love you. And if I can love you, and we can love each other, then we can change the world. Because now I'm committed to becoming the righteousness of God. I'm committed to growing. I'm committed to being more than what the world has said we can be. Because, see, the devil doesn't want you to love each other. That's why the devil puts hate everywhere. But the devil puts hate everywhere because he doesn't want you to love one another. You, you start loving one another, you can turn stuff around. Amen. And you look, you start loving one another, we can all make it into heaven. Amen. And when the role is called up yonder, we'll all be there. Amen. I mean, these are things that we need to understand. But but if we become foolish like the Galatians, we'll go back out to the world and think that the world can teach us how to be better people. Isn't that where we came from? How you go back out into the world and become better people? Then that's then that's where you came from. Oh, foolish Galatians who have bewitched you. Having begun in the truth, obeyed the truth, having obeyed the truth. How is it that you go back out into the world? I'm going to drop down to verse number four. Galatians 3 and 4 says, Have ye suffered so many things in vain, and, and if it yet be in vain, he that therefore that ministereth to you the spirit. Notice that the Bible says in Acts 5.32, God gives his spirit that all, to all those who obey him. Right? Obedience. Gives us the strength that we need to show our commitment to God. But he goes on, and I dropped down, and I talked about Abraham. And so, and so he, he, he says to Abraham, he says, look, in verse number 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Faith. Our faith, our seal of commitment. It was accounted unto him for righteousness. It will be counted unto us for righteousness because of our faith. 
In verse number 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Abraham heard the gospel. Lord have mercy. The gospel. The gospel. Amen. And, and, and look what he says. And he says, saying, in thee shall all nation be blessed. So then they which, are, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful, with faithful Abraham. I'm going to drop down to verse number 22 only because I'm, out of, I'm, I'm almost out of time and I, I, I got to start wrapping this up. Look what he says. So those who are of faith are children of Abraham. Those who are of faith are children of Abraham. And I got, I got to get you to see this. Not children of Moses. But Moses was a lawgiver. But Moses was a lawgiver. See, sometimes we elevate people to positions and we put them in, in, in roles and, 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 and we look at them with, with, a, with a certain lens that we should not give them. Now, that doesn't mean that Moses wasn't an important character in the Old Testament. But Moses' journey wasn't based on faith. Moses' journey, that's right. Moses' journey was based on the law. God needed to change their behavior. That's what the law did. In, in, in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, I would not have known sin had it not been for the law. But when the law came, my sin became exceedingly sinful. Why? Because then I could see what was sin. Lord have mercy. But just seeing what was sin, stay with me, church. Just seeing what was sin didn't change my heart. The word had to be planted. And that's why Hebrews chapter 10 says, you won't go to one another talking about, know the Lord, know the Lord. Paul said, all will know me. For when you obey this gospel, it will be because the word has been planted in your heart. That's how you obey the gospel. Because that seed will begin to germinate. You see, Lord have mercy. And that is why it's a blessing to be in the church of Christ. Because see, I don't have to go to you and ask you to pray for me. Now, I do that as a courtesy, right? I really do it as a courtesy. And I, and I do it for reinforcement of, of, of maybe some, some, some uh, uh, weaknesses that I may have. And, 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 and if I feel, if you will, that, that my prayer not, is not going to get through, then I got, I got brothers and sisters who somebody got to be faithful somewhere. I <laughs> can get a prayer through on my behalf. And so I solicit your prayer. But as a child of God, I don't have to come and ask you to pray for me. I have the seed of God. I can pray for myself. That's why 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The seed was preached to Abraham, the gospel. The Bible says it right here. He says, he says, and the scripture foreseeing. 
and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen. That's all of us in here, by the way. That's all of us in here. And then you run out and say, Brother Cole, I ain't no heathen. See me afterward, I'll tell you why you were heathen. But, but the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Abraham heard the gospel. Amen. Saying, in thee shall all the nations be blessed. And, 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 then which, and so then they which be of faith. Are blessed with faithful Abraham. I'm back at verse number 22. I'm down rather at verse number 22. And, and so then Galatians 3.22 he says. But the scripture hath concluded all unseen. See I would have used that scripture when you saw me after it. All under sin. Romans 3 and 23 says all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. That's how I know we are all heathen. All have sinned. And he says look. All are under sin that, that, uh, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them but that believe. When you know you have sinned and you come to Christ, let me tell you something. That's how you know the seed is working. Lord have mercy. So then faith coming by here. Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe. He that cometh to God must believe. Must believe. Some say must is the strongest word in the English language. Must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He goes on and says, look, he says and that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Verse number 23, but before faith came. We were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterward be revealed. Remember, between Abraham, Moses, and you have uh, the, 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 the blessing of, of, uh, of, uh, of Christ coming. We then understand the power of the exodus, right? Because the exodus was an imagery of individuals coming out of the world. Coming out from a place uh, that was not conducive to the people of God. They had to come out of Egypt. They had to cross over the Red Sea. The path, the, the, the Red Sea, if you will, becomes the the, 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 the pathway that is a symbol of baptism. They were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. So back in Galatians, he says, look, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you, now we're here at Nicodemus, <laughs> who was baptized, John chapter 3, came to Jesus by night. 
You see? But he says, look, he says, for as many of you who have that, uh, many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew. I love this passage. I love this passage even more today than I've ever loved it before. Because see, this passage right here wipes away all types of ethnicity and color, affluency. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, right? It, it wipes away all that madness, right? Baptism is for everybody. Because God is focused on saving the soul. And it doesn't matter the package that it's come in. But he says, look. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. Boy, that's a powerful passage. For ye are all one. Where? In Christ. Now, don't miss this. Because, you know, sometimes when we read past scriptures and we, we read them quickly, we, we, we can sometimes not pick up on the, 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 the magnificence of the scripture that we are reading at the moment. Here's the argument. Here's the argument. Right? He says, and I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it more slowly. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There is neither male or female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. If we are one in Christ Jesus, then what are we when we're not in Christ Jesus? We are divided. Lord have mercy. That's where you get all these different religions and belief systems that are out there in the world and everybody claiming their own thing because they are divided. Christ says, when you come by the same faith, we are all one in Christ Jesus. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. The, 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 look. Even the Jews who had the first experience with the uh, 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 monotheism, the one God, the one true God, they were God's chosen people. God called them his chosen people, his peculiar people in the Old Testament. They were chosen to be an example to the world on how the world needed to conform to God. That's who the children of Israel represented. But then God says, when I have now, if you will, come and in my son, in the seed that I was showing you in the, old, in the Old Testament, if you will, the seed that I was showing you when I said to, 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 to Eve that uh, your seed will bruise the head of Satan and Satan will bruise his heel that seed is Christ Jesus that same seed when I said to Abraham that your seed will become you will become the father of many nations not seeds as of many but seeds as of one and that seed is Christ all of the same in Christ Jesus and we come into Christ Jesus by the same gospel by the same faith and that faith, is what, that faith is what unites us. Now, God bless us for all the things that people are trying to do to unite the world. We're passing all kinds of laws and doing all kinds of things to try to unite the world. And I say, you know, God bless you for every good effort that you're trying to put forth. Cornelius was a good man. 
tried to do good things. But that wasn't enough to save people's souls. I point, my point here is you can pass all the laws you want to pass. You can have as many constitutions as the books will allow you to write. But until you get people to get this seed of the word of God in their heart, the world is not going to change. Because you can only be united in Christ Jesus. That's the only place you can be united. In Christ Jesus. The seed of the sower makes it very plain and very clear. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All right. In Genesis 17 and in Samuel. So we'll get a chance to open this up and then we'll be done. Look what he says in Genesis 17. We're, we're, we're back here. A few, we're back here a few chapters before. We, we, we were in chapter uh, Genesis 24, but, uh, but I want to go back to <clears throat> Genesis 17 for a moment and 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 pick up on uh, on some of the things I said about age and 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 maturity. Uh, in Genesis 17 and one, if you have it, say Amen. Okay. So in Genesis 17 and 1, he says, And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Walk before me and be thou perfect. That's what, that's what, that's what the Lord said to Abraham. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Right? Now that's great. Because that helps us to understand the urgency that is before us when it comes to changing our lives. When you walk before God and he says, be thou perfect, as he said to Abraham. Well, Paul says it just a little bit differently, but it still has the same, it still has the same motivation. Paul says in Ephesians 4 and 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you walk worthy. When you're walking before God and, trying, and striving to be perfect, you are walking worthy. And so Paul says to the children of Ephesus, and he says to us in church, he says, look, he says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, that you walk worthy of this vocation wherein ye have been called. Abraham had been called. Paul tells us in Thessalonians that we are called by the gospel. We are the called out ones. Abraham was called, we're called. Paul says, and I mean, not, not Paul, but James says something very powerful. And James, when James says, look, uh, uh, James says uh, in, 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 uh, in James chapter 1, James says something that uh, uh, we need to understand about God's word. James says, James chapter 1 and verse number uh, uh, 25. You don't have to go there. Just put it in your notes. I don't want you to get distracted. I'm going back to Genesis 17. But in James chapter 1 and verse number 25, he says, look, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. The perfect law of liberty is the word of God. If you're going to walk before God and be perfect, you're going to follow after God's word. If you're going to walk worthy of the vocation that you've been called in, it will be because of God's word. This seed is forever connected and interconnected. You can't separate it. From, the, from Old Testament to the New Testament, it is all connected together. 
and interconnected. He says James calls it the perfect law of liberty. Why? Because now God is, is completing the ends, if you will, of his sayings and his speakings to those who have inspired to write. And he's completing it. But James says, look, when you look whoso, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. James says, you, 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 when you're walking worthy, you can only walk worthy when you're walking in God's word. So Paul says, that, uh, 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 Moses, when he gives us do, uh, the Genesis text, and he gives us his Genesis text as he talks about Abraham, he says, look, and when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. This is what God said to Abraham. This is what he said in Galatians 3 and 17. This is what God said to Abraham. You're going to be blessed and you're going to bless other people. I'm going to multiply your seed. I'm going to do it exceedingly. The challenge becomes is when the seed has been neglected to be planted. And when the seed has been neglected to be planted, you get what we find in the story of Eli and his sons. Quickly go with Samuel. And this is why it's so important that as we talk about the seeds of the sower, we understand that we've become, you want, once you have the seed, you have the obligation to sow. Right? You have the obligation to sow. You got to sow the seed. In 1 Samuel 2 and 30, and I, I, we'll, we'll pick up on some of this later, but so in 1 Samuel 2 and 30, he says, look, Samuel, now, now, now Samuel has charge of God's, God's house. Let me just give you a little backdrop. He, he has charge of God's house, and, he has, and, 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 and he's responsible uh, to, uh, to ensure that the, the, the people of God are, are served and that they are focused on serving God. This is, this is, this is his responsibility. Uh, this is his, his role, right? This is what Samuel is supposed to do. Um, uh, 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 before I get to verse number 30, I'm going I'm to ask you to, 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 to go back a few verses and go back to, uh, go back to verse number 12. And I'm going to start reading from verse number 12 here. And then that am going to be done for this morning. Look what he says in 1 Samuel 2, 12. He says, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. That, that, <laughs> they knew, they knew not the Lord. They didn't know God. First Samuel 2.12, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. When you have folk not knowing the Lord, you're going to tear some stuff up. They knew not the Lord. Wait a minute, Eli, these folk were in your house. These were your sons. Why didn't they know the Lord? Somebody neglected to plant the seed. Or somebody saw the seed being corrupted and didn't correct it. Somebody did something wrong. 
They knew not the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething and a flesh hook was of the, of the, of the uh, 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 teeth in his hands. And he struck it into the pan or the kettle and cauldron or the pot. All the flesh hook brought up the priest took for himself, so they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. This was the way that God took care of the priest. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and, and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to the roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat Presently, and then take as much as thou so desirest. Then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it me now, and it not, and if not, I will take it thee by force. They, they, they started robbing the people. He goes on and says, Look, wherefore the sin of the young men were very great before the Lord. For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Let me tell you something. You may not understand it, but when people are teaching denominationalism, this is doing things that you not, ought not to be doing in the name of God. Amen. No wonder why people say, I don't believe in church. I don't believe in worship. Because they've seen all this madness that has gone on. The devil has done his job. He's created so much confusion that people cannot, can no longer see the truth anymore. Got all these priests running around that God did not send. Nevertheless, he goes on and says, look. In verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and, and brought it to him year after year. So Eli is now being brought up. Why? Because God says, I'm going to raise up a child to restore the worship services of my people. Verse number 30. I got to drop now. I, I, I got to move on. Eli became old. Verse number 22. He was very old and heard all that his sons did and, 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 um, uh, God then began to bring Samuel into the, uh, uh, into, the, uh, into the picture because Samuel now would become uh, God's, uh, God's man to bring the people back to the Lord. But he goes on, he says, look, in verse number 30, Wherefore the Lord, of, uh, the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now, the Lord said, be it far from me, for them that honoreth me, I will honor, and they that despiseth me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and, and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thy house. Let me tell you something. 
you can continue to do stuff wrong before God until God gets ready to deal with you. Now, he'll deal with you on his own time. But when he deals with you because of your lack of commitment, because the seal has now been broken and you're not following after God's word anymore and, and unrighteousness is running rampant. God says, I'm going to deal with you. And the way he deals with us is by cutting us off. Cutting us off. And let me tell you something. We may think folk going to get away, but nobody's going to escape God. That's why our commitment is to not only be committed in our own generation, but we need to be committed to share the truth and the seed of God's word with the next generation. When Eli failed to correct his sons, God took the priesthood away from him and away from his sons and put Samuel in place. Let me tell you something. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. When you, when we fail to plant the seed of God's word in the next generation, don't be surprised when the next generation rises up not knowing the Lord. And you get what you get. Like Eli got what he received. Sons who did not know the Lord. And when people don't know the Lord, they do that which is wicked. They do that which is unrighteous. And when people start not knowing the Lord and they don't care about knowing the Lord, then the world is in jeopardy. We are the children of Abraham in that we are children of faith. Because we've believed in God's word and we've obeyed God's word. And now by believing in God's word and obeying God's word, we, 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 we know, we know uh, uh, contrary to, to Eli, uh, 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 Eli's sons, oh, I, I'm sorry, I, I moved it forward. Uh, uh, the, the Eli's sons, contrary to Eli's sons, uh, we found our identity when they lost theirs. Because we, well, we know that we belong in Christ, Right? We're, no, we're neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free nor male nor female, but we, uh, we, we, are, we are all the same in Christ Jesus. We've found our identity because the Bible says that we are Christians. We're children of God, children of faith. Peter says, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. When, 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 uh, uh, when Paul, if you will, went to Agrippa and began to preach the gospel unto Agrippa, Agrippa knew what Paul was getting at because Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. We know, who our, we know who we are. We have a clear understanding of what we should be committed to. We know our identity. And it's important for us to hold on to it because especially in these times, folk need to know who Christians are because they need that seed. They need the truth of God's word. And, 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 and that word is the only thing that can seal them and hold them and keep them until God returns for his church, for his kingdom. It is the word of God, the only thing that can seal them. I wish I had time, but I don't. But when you look at Ephesians chapter 1 and about verse number 11, you'll find that the Bible says we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. A lot of people read that text, but we forget about some of the other things that were said in that same text when Paul says, uh, when you first believe. Believe what? You believe the word of God. 
when you first trusted. You believed the word of God. You trusted in the word of God. So I deliver unto you this morning the word of God. And Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I hope that you are letting yourself become, if you will, uh, uh, aware enough of God's truth that you can begin to trust in it. That you can trust it. And that's why we give book, chapter, and verse. That's why we take you to the Bible and let you read it for yourself. Because we just doesn't, we don't want you to just hear what we have to say. We want you to read the word of God for yourself because you need to trust in the word of God. In whom you first trusted, having heard the word of truth. Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he that cometh to God, see, you have to come to God. Don't, don't, you, you sit, if you're sitting there waiting for the Holy Spirit to hit you, to roll you up this aisle, it ain't going to happen. You have to come on your own free will. John tells us in the book of Revelations, in the book of eschatology, the book of the last thing, John says, whosoever will. Let him come. Let him come and take of the water of life freely. Now, I know you may have been in other places where denominationalism, they believe that the Holy Spirit is going to force you to come and you're going to speak in tongues and do all this stuff. That's not based on Bible. That's based on the doctrines of men, not based on the word of God. God says, if you come, you will be coming on your own free will. Your own free will. It's time for you to come. This is the time for you to come. This is... This is the time for you to come because we don't have tomorrow promised to us. What we have is today. As a matter of fact, what we have is this moment. We don't know what's going to happen the next moment. We know that to be the case. Some of us know of preachers who have been preaching in the pulpit, preaching one moment, dead in the same pulpit in the same moment. So we know all you got is this moment. All you have is this moment to make up in your mind, in your heart, that you're going to obey the gospel. That you're going to change your life and that you're going to let the seed of God's word germinate forward those, that, that, that fruit of the spirit. And it begins with obedience. It begins with obedience. We'll talk more about this next time. But it begins with obedience and that obedience manifests itself in commitment. Eli's sons weren't committed to God. They weren't committed to the Lord. They were committed to themselves. And that's why God took the, took the priesthood away from them. We have to be committed to the Lord. And that's why we preach the gospel. Because people need to understand that by hearing the gospel and believing the gospel, repenting of your sins, Luke 13, 3 and 5, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That puts everybody on the same plane. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Some of us have come to God in obedience to God's word. And so we are now, if you will, in a position where we can be saved. Outside of Christ, you cannot be saved. In Christ, you have a chance to be saved. But you have to be faithful unto death. God will give you a crown of life that faded not away. But you got to start with repenting of your sins. You can see how the unfolding of obedience is even in the process of the plan of salvation. Hearing, believing, repenting is a process that is leading you through these steps of obedience. Acts 17 and 30, God commanded every man everywhere to repent. In 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9, when God says one day 
with him is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day, wishing unto prayers that, but that all should come unto repentance. This is a promise that God wants to give you, that if you obey him, he'll save you. He'll save you. Confessing Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, Romans 10 uh, and 9, with the mouth, with the, with, uh, with, the, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God wants you to be saved. This is your time to go. Confessing him to be the Son of God. Matthew 10, 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before me and him, shall I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. Time for you to come. Time for you to come. And then going down in the watery grave of baptism, like Nicodemus did. Nicodemus said to Jesus, the master teacher in John chapter 3, he says, can we enter in again into our mother's womb? And Jesus says, except a man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that kingdom is the church. That kingdom is the church. The watery grave of baptism is ready for you to come. Be obedient to God's word. Be sealed with that seed of promise, with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then live out your life as a faithful Christian, as uh, 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 Revelation uh, uh, 2 and 10 says, be faithful unto death, and he'll give you a crown of life that fadeth not away. It's time for you to come. It's time for you to come. Be sealed with commitment to God. Start your commitment now by obeying him before it's everlasting and eternally too late. Why don't you come right now as we stand and sing the invitation song? Why don't you come? 904. 904. Have you been to Jesus, Jesus for the cleansing? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace? This are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood in the soul? Cleansing blood of the Lamb, of oh, the Lamb, all oh, your garments, body white as blue, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the sea? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Let church say amen once again. Amen. I want to thank Brother Copeland for a fine message this morning. Very revealing. A, a lot. A lot of spiritual food. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm full. <laughs> amen. God bless you. Uh, from his labels, I have a couple of cards from our, our own members. First, I have a, a card from uh, Sister Wiggins. She's asking prayers for Clinton. Please pray for Clinton. I also have a card from our very own sister, Sister Erica Chandler. She's asked prayer for special need, Sister Chandler. That's all the cards that I have at this time. I ask that you would bow with me as we approach our Heavenly Father in prayer.
Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It is into your presence we come with bowed heads and grateful hearts. Thanking you, Father, for all that you have done for us and all that you will do for us. We thank you, Father, for loving us more than we love ourselves. And Father, we're thankful to hear the message this morning that touched all of our hearts. We're thankful, Father, Amen. that you blessed us tremendously. And Father, we just ask that you continue to be with all those who are seeking Christ, who are trying to find God. May we be a source of encouragement to guide them to Christ before everlasting too late. Amen. Thank you, Father, again for your, your answering our prayers. You have all power. We believe that. We trust that. And we just pray that you will just continue to watch over us and guide us and help us along this journey. Thank you, Father, for watching over the nurses and doctors. Continue to do so as they continue to help those who are dealing with the pandemic. Help those, Father, who are in need, whether they be homeless or hurting or, or hungry. Pray, Father, that you will look down and, and shower them with the love that you always do. Thank you, Father, for this uh, day, and thank you for this congregation. Just pray and ask that you continue to watch over us and guide us and lead us. Help us to continue to show love one to another, which would exhibit that we're disciples of yours. We just pray, Father, that you continue to be with us as we go up throughout this week. We pray for everyone, Father. These prayers and in all prayers we do ask in the name of your darling Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Church, let us know pages 324. And at this time, let us prepare our hearts and our minds for communion. And let's send it my Savior, please, and it my sovereign die. Will he devote that sacred for such a one as I? The cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. 